Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Well, again, you will go beyond your limits today. This is Dr. Carol Francis. I am joined by author Randy Pizer, the author of many books, The Power of Miracle Thinking is the one we're going to discuss today, but also Crappy to Happy, which you may have seen in a movie, Small Steps to Big Happiness, Now, What Sign Are You in Dog, The Write a Book Program, The Mind, Body, Spirit, Speaker's Guide, and The Internet Marketing and Publicity Directory. Oh, I could go on, but Randy... It's so good to have you here. We have so much to talk about that's going to inspire and change people's lives. How are you today, Randy? I'm very excited to be here. Oh, good. Okay. Randy, this book is a collaboration. No, no, it's a collection, a contribution of people who have lived miracles and have created changes in their lives that are just amazing. And when I first I heard about this book. I thought, oh, goodness, going to be another manifesting intentionality attraction book. Not that those are invaluable because they seriously are important tools to have. But instead, I discovered that all of these contributors had, a, had created or formulated their own discovery as to how a miracle would be brought into their life. So where do you want to start us on this journey about how our listeners can truly access their power of miracle thinking? Randy, where do we start? (laughs) Well, the first place that I started, and I'm going to ask everybody who's listening to ask yourself a question and listen to the answer to this question. If you had a million dollars right now, what's one thing that you want? Just one thing. Mm -hmm. It could be a large thing. It could be a small thing. And if you already have a million dollars, well, then make it some number that's just so unbelievably out of reach for you. Okay. So, All right. Do you have the answer to that question? Yes. Now, what I discovered when I interviewed all these people, they had miracles that related to health, to money, to relationships, to housing, just all different kinds of miracles. Um, I discovered... Um, like I was looking for, is there, what's the secret sauce to creating miracles? Mm, yeah. And so one night I had a dream and I saw spelled out on the Scrabble board the letters I-N-S-I-S-T, insist. Hmm. And I immediately woke up from that dream thinking, what is it that I want so much that I'm absolutely willing to insist that it happen. And mm-hmm. it's one of those times like when you, you know that you know that you know. And no matter what it is, you want something, you don't even know how you're going to make it happen, how you're going to get there, but you know deep in your heart of hearts, in your most aligned truth of yourself, that this is what you want. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us can muster up that that sense of insistence, at least at some place in our lives, something that we now, absolutely know that we want, whether now, it's a relationship. Insistence means being demanding or it means being clear or it means being full, wholehearted, tenacious. I mean, 
what, what's the energy, the emotion, the attitude, the mindset of insistence? Passion. Mm. There's such like a driving, burning passion. Mm. Got it. it no, okay. The driving, so now here's, burning Yes. So here's where the problem happens. So if you can identify just one place that, where you insist upon something happening, then what happens next typically is that there's something called resistance. Mm. And I'll give you an example. I really, really, really wanted a relationship. Mm. However, when I thought about relationships, there was a part of me saying, I want a relationship, but I don't want my heart to be skewered again. I don't want to be betrayed. Sure. I don't, and I had my long list of I don't want. And I realize the universe responds and loves a really good target. So the target that I was clear about was that I wanted a relationship. But as soon as I put my yes button there, yes, I want it, but I'm saying, yes, universe, bring it to me. But, and then I'm holding my hand out like a stop sign saying, but I don't want it to look like this and I don't want it to look like that and I'm too afraid of getting hurt. And I realized that's where the rub is. This is how we cannot create miracles. Mm-hmm. Wherever we feel that sense of resistance. And for it, all of it, us... The miracle repellent idea. <laughs> miracle repellent. The R, the R could be the repellent. <laughs> and so I thought about how is it that we can get beyond this, the resistance, even with whatever pain we feel and whatever fears we feel. And this was like really the secret that I found to this, which had to do with allowing, in which I asked myself the question, for example, in terms of a relationship, what is it that I'm truly willing to allow? And at that time, I said to myself, well, let's see, I'm willing to allow uh, a dinner out with a new person. I'm willing to allow a phone call with a new person and maybe holding hands. That was my little comfortable, safe zone. Hmm. And these little baby steps led me eventually to a wonderful relationship. And what I discovered about this sense of allowing, sometimes, you know how we have to push ourselves sometimes and step out of our comfort zone? This kind of allowing is a gentle truth. It's not the big push forward. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Like most of us <laughs> repel change because change can be scary. But if you're taking yeah. little baby steps and gentle steps, and it's, this is your truth. It's not somebody else's truth. What is it that I'm truly willing to allow? When you answer that kind of question, then all of a sudden that you're moving in the direction of your miracle. And over time, you allow more and more and more as you ask yourself that question. I'm envisioning now, a boat going downstream and, and uh, a person uh, saying, okay, I want to get to the destination at the end of the stream. And, and so then the person puts the paddle in the boat on both sides and opposite of the flow. <laughs> And so now the boat is going yeah. One going forward around. and one going backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not getting anywhere. It's going around in circles. And then, and then the person finally is saying, oh, goodness, what am I doing? And this is to allow the flow of the river to take me where I want to go. It's in the right direction. Let's just go with it. So that's what your so, IRA is reminding me of. 
Yes. So if we go back to the original question that I asked everyone, you have a million dollars. Now, when I asked myself that question one day as I was driving down the freeway, um, I said to myself, I'd like to attend workshops. Because at that time, I, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't really budget for that kind of experience in my life. And the next day, a friend called and said, Randy, my husband can't make it to you know, XYZ event, and I've got these tickets. I'd love to gift you this ticket. It was like an $85 ticket. Do you want to go? And it was to like a, an evening workshop. And I said, yes. And then the next day, I mean, that, or two days later, another friend calls and said, Randy, I, I won some tickets on the radio. It was a call-in show for this, you know, free empowerment workshop in San Jose. Do you want to go? She goes, I signed you and me up. <laughs> and I said, yes. And that's when I started noticing, like, how come that came in? And, and it continued. It continued to come in, and it still continues to come in to, to this day. Hmm. Now, the value of, of your book is not only that someone can say, okay, I'm going to do the IRA approach, but every single one of your contributing authors has their formula, some of which correspond to the IRA in, in global ways and specific ways, and others stumble upon their own paths associated to it. How did you discover these people, these contributors? Well, first before I answer that, I want to explain because okay. I really didn't define the IRA. So the IRA, it's, most people have heard of most people have heard of the Roth IRA. So my formula for creating miracles, as I discovered it, is something I call the Ruth IRA because Ruth is my middle name, and I've actually given you the formula, the IRA. I is insistence. What is it you're absolutely willing to insist upon happening? Because that is a good, clear target that you're giving the universe resistance, the R part. So we have insistence and resistance, or as you said, which I love, repellent. Where is that yes but? Because the universe will never give you a yes but, so you must get off that but <laughs> to get your miracle happening. And then the A, of course, is allowing, in which you ask yourself, what is it I'm truly willing to allow? So I wanted to make sure everybody was clear on the, the formula oh, for... Oh, and, and so this is a general formula that everybody can kind of look at in terms of but yeah. their specifics are, are expressed in all sorts of different ways. Can you describe how that was expressed in your own recovery from cancer? I had um, breast cancer a couple of years ago, and it's been the most intense journey of my life. I almost died in August of 2012. Mm-hmm. So... I'd say that we all teach best what we need to learn. And as soon as I received that diagnosis, I realized, okay, I'm the gal who wrote the book, The Power of Miracle Thinking, Time to Live It. And Hmm. I went through the full range of emotions. I spent a lot of time in fear. Like I say, we teach best what we need to learn. (laughs) And so I'll say that I'm still learning it. But to apply it. You know, I I started asking myself, the first big question was, do I want to live? And I realized I was willing to insist upon living. I insisted upon it. And I asked myself, right. And so then I asked about, you know, where is the resistance in me? And certain parts of my life did not feel good to me at that time. 
and I have to look, oh, that's the resistance. And it's so funny. You know, you know how they say, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it? Yeah. And again, you know, again, giving the universe that good target. One of the things that I had been saying to myself right prior to that diagnosis, I was just saying to myself, even out loud as I was walking my dog one day, my little dog, and I said to myself, you know, I need to be in a group. I need to be in a group and talking about what's going on with me in my life. Then the next thing I know, I'm in all these cancer-related groups and women's support groups for dealing with breast cancer. And they are all wonderful people, and I'm still in many wonderful groups that I attend as a survivor. But I got my groups, so be careful what to ask for. Yeah. I bet you have seen many of those individuals that have survived uh, harness their own power of miracle thinking as well. To get through cancer, absolutely. Like one woman, I'm actually writing a book about it now called Bald Courage. Bald Courage. And, and in which I'm, I'm getting all kinds of information from people like, because there's so many different pathways. There are so many different pathways, and, and not, there's not one that's right for everybody, and you just have to find your own way as to what's right. Uh, but one woman decided that the only way she was going to live is if she stopped attaching to what she calls group mind, because the doctors oh. were all telling her she had two weeks to live. That's it. You know, two weeks, you're done, expiration date. And she realized as long as she stayed tuned into them, she would die. And she said to herself through her own inner knowing, I was promised the Garden of Eden. This is not it. Show me. So she asked. She asked the universe to show her. Insisted. Insisted. And it was a gentle insistence. But it was a clear, clear message. So there's a facilitator of consciousness, Gary Douglas, who asks the question, and this is a powerful question that anybody can use for a health challenge or for any challenge you're going through in your life. It's a fill-in-the-blank kind of question. Universe, what does it take for me to, then you fill in the blank. Universe, what does it take for me to? So for me, the question at that time was, what does it take for me to heal? And it is amazing, the people that showed up in my life. One man sent me a, a, a $6,000 frequency machine that I ran twice a day running light frequencies into my body that were anti-cancer frequencies. Mm-hmm. People prayed wow. for me from all over the world and every tradition. It just didn't matter. People with loving hearts prayed for me. Beautiful. And even even recently, an acupuncture uh, an acupuncturist contacted me. You know, I, I help people edit books and, and find publishers for a living. She was looking for a publisher for her book. And she's an acupuncturist who specializes in working with cancer patients and, and people who have gone through treatment and are survivors to keep them that way. It's like, okay, this was another sign from the universe as somebody who could help me. Mm-hmm. So noticing and paying attention to who is showing up in your life. What is showing up in your life? that you're asking for. It reminds me of that, that one story you have about the man that, that, that wants wealth and that the difficulty is, is that if you're having trouble with money, it's not that the money's not there, it's just that you have to learn to be a receiver. And here you are saying that you look at all these opportunities around you that are addressing the issues of your healing, but you had to receive those people, their gifts, 
and their messages uh, with the consciousness that you were in a position to receive. Yes. No, receiving. That's, you're, again, talking about Gary Douglas who says, if you think you have a money problem, you don't. You have a receiving problem. And and you know we shut down that money valve. It's, it reminds me of like a an hourglass. If, every, if you can visualize an hourglass, and uh, the more fear yeah. we have around lack, the more we head towards the middle of that hourglass, and we're stopping the flow. Mm. Of all the stories in your book, and I, I, how many do you have? Do you have like hundred or hundred? No, there's about forty like, stories, and each story oh, wow. has three mirror. Yeah, it's like I think it's like forty or fifty. And, oh gosh, but they're short. I mean, they're all short stories oh, and, you know, followed by so, three miracle thinking tips. The, and these three miracle thinking tips are very specific to the person and their process going on. I know that I have a favorite, which I'll share in a moment, but which ones are your favorite, your favorite stories, the ones that just make you tingle? You Probably all of them, but I mean, choose, choose a few. <laughs> well, there, there's one in particular that just pops into mind right this second, and this is the, the, the story. It's a, a love story about finding a relationship in which a very dear friend of mine um, did some steps that were so unique. For example, she said that she wouldn't leave her her husband, she was in a lousy marriage, and she decided she was not going to leave him until she can see God in him. Because she realized mm-hmm. if she couldn't see God in him, she would just recreate him in a different body. <laughs> mm. And so she stayed with him another two years until she felt like, okay, <laughs> did it, and then moved on. And about mm. a year later, she felt ready to date again, and she said she found five men in a row, very quickly, like month-long kind of relationships that just kind of opened and closed, and she, and she realized every single one of those men was yet another uh, derivation of her husband. Mm. And then she did a prayer. And I just love this prayer. I've never heard of anybody doing this kind of prayer ever. And she said, God, please send me somebody who is not my type because my type is emotionally unavailable and messed up. <laughs> I thought, what an incredible prayer to send out to the universe. And she attracted this wonderful man to herself. A friend called and said, you know, I've got somebody I'd like you to meet. And it turned out she had a list of 98 qualities that she was looking for in a man. You know how we can write our laundry list of what we're looking for, all the specifics. And this man had about like 92 of those qualities. And I have a dear friend named Norm. My friend Norm says that all women put all men through tests. And the men don't know what the questions are, but they better get the answers right. (laughs) I just love that too. (laughs) And so my friend, my wonderful friend Carrie, when she was going to check out this guy, this new guy that she was being introduced to, and they're having a phone, their initial phone conversation, and he suggests they go on a hike. And she likes that idea because she, that was one of the things on her list. She wanted somebody she could hike with. And then he suggested a picnic. And she thought, oh, that's wonderful because she doesn't cook and she's looking for a guy who cooks. So part of her test was to see if this man, if his idea of a picnic was to show up with a bottle of wine and some cheese and crackers, or would there really be some substantial food? Well, this guy shows up with homemade Thai chicken curry. He's a a gourmet cook for fun. That's his hobby. Mm -hmm. So he kept passing the tests. But the problem was she really liked him, but he wasn't her type, so she wasn't really attracted to him. 
But they kept hanging out and hanging out, and eventually they realized they were both so suited to each other, and now they've been together somewhere like around 15 or 19 years. Hmm. I just love that story. Yeah, it it makes me uh, think for a moment that uh, sometimes when we ask for what we want and we're insistent on it, which is your I, insistence, uh, that we're not... We can't always trust ourselves and our instincts and our knowing and our feelings. You know, many times people say, just trust your feelings. I think that sometimes our feelings and our instincts have been groomed to our detriment, and we don't even know it. And so here's an example who, uh, in passing through her resistance, went to the A, which is the, you know, her ability to say, okay, <laughs> I am willing to go outside my normal box because obviously my box is not working for me. Um, it, it's a... It's the idea of, okay, what is there for me to learn in this, which you mention many times with people when they're finally able to say, okay, what is there for me to learn in this? They ask their angels, their higher self, their pain, their illness. Um, what am I supposed to learn in this as one of the processes? Do you have any stories along those lines? We, you know, it's funny when they talk about lessons and learning lessons from all experiences as we you know, have the opportunity to do, I say that. When I was in the third grade, I had this wonderful teacher named Mrs. Linsky. And if given the choice, I'd rather work with Mrs. Linsky than go through the lessons I've gone through today. <laughs> you know, I had this fantastic story that I heard just a few weeks ago that I, that I must share. It's not even in the book, but it's, it was so fantastic and so miraculous. And this has to do with looking for signs. I have a neighbor down the street, a woman probably in her 70s. And about a year ago, she lost her husband of over 40 years. His name was Ken. Her name is Greta. So Greta was going to a grief support group at a local hospital. Her husband had died of cancer. And one day, she spoke to her husband, her dead husband, just kind of like, you know, to herself in her own silence and prayer. And she said, Ken, I'm really lonely. You know what I like. Would you find me a person, a nice person to be with me? And would you show me a sign so that I'm really clear it's the right person? So she's in her grief group. And then there's a man in her grief group named Forrest. And Forrest is out. He lost his wife, who he had cared for for the last 10 years, who had died from cancer. And they also had been married over 40 years. So they meet in this grief group. And Forrest is out walking on the beach one day, and he decides he wants to just go right down to the water's edge and sink his toes right into the sand and water. And he goes all the way down to the beach, to the beach's end where the water is, And all of a sudden, he sees something like red, metallic, and glistening. And it's like wedged into the sand. So he reaches down to see what is this object. And he pulls out, it's a little metallic um, dog bone. It's like an ID for a dog that they would wear on their collar. It's a little red in the shape of a dog bone. And it has the name Greta on it. So he brings it to the grief group. And he's sitting across from Greta, and he puts it under his hand, and he slides it across the table to her, and he says, I've got something for you. And she, she, uh, he lifts his hand, and there's her name on this little metallic dog bone. And she looks at it, and, you know, she almost, <laughs> she almost wets herself. It's so exciting to her. 
And she's all of a sudden, but and she starts looking at this guy Ken with new, a different pair of eyes, and wow. but she doesn't say anything. She's not going to say anything to him. She wants to see what happens. And then mm. within the month, there was an event in our little town where we live, like a community fair. And Ken called Greta and asked if he could take her to this fair. And they got together, mm. and they've been together ever since. That was mm. back in August. That's a and, story. But there's a little bit more to this story, because remember, Greta asked for a clear sign. Well, apparently it wasn't enough that her name was on that little dog tag, but Greta also told me that she and her husband, Ken, used to train dogs. Wow. They used to train Westies for competition. Could that sign have been any more clearer? <laughs> wow. No, that's and I just, beautiful. I just love that story. I just oh, really, yeah. really love that story. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I think that when I'm reading through all the different stories, that one of the things that happens to me is I just feel this sense of, wow, which you just created inside of me yet again. Because when you open yourself to uh, thinking or feeling or uh, pondering the inevitability of a miracle occurring on your behalf, you are in that wow state of, okay, you know, uh, let's step through this. Let's wait. Let's have faith in some circumstances and other circumstances. Let's take action. Um, it's, but there is that underlying sense of, wow, that anticipation of it. Um, there are some times when we don't even know we're about to receive a miracle. Um, and, and yet someone knocks on our door and we go, oh, my goodness, I could actually create a miracle here? Do you have any stories along those lines? Wow, I could actually create a miracle? This is, it's actually okay for me to want this miracle in my life and to go forward? You know, I think you're touching on such an important aspect of creating miracles, which has to do with our own sense of worthiness. Hmm. Yes. What are you willing to receive? It really comes back down to that, our own sense of worthiness. Do you think somebody else deserves a miracle more than you do? Are you the kind of person, especially if you're like a, a woman who is like a, a nurturing, caregiving kind of person, and people offer things to you, and you say, no, 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 that's okay, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Are you pushing away the smallest amounts of good? Because as you push away small amounts of good, you are pushing away larger amounts of good. Mm-hmm. Or are you willing to say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes, and notice notice mm-hmm. these incredible miracles that are happening for you every single day. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Okay, Mandy, so my favorite story in your book is called An Angel in the Darkness. Do you remember this one about Donna Morkova? Yes. Oh, it's an inc- I tell incredibly you, powerful I story. Oh, I just couldn't stop reading it. I was so moved. Do you want to tell it or shall I read a portion of it? Well, if you have a portion in mind, please. Cancer. And it just does not look very promising. And this amazing woman sloshes a mop in the middle of the night down the hall and comes into her room and sits on the chair and creates this unison-type connection with her by way of breathing and touching her foot. And then she gives this one-line message to this patient, saying, you're more than your pain. And then away goes this Jamaican Broom uh, holder and and Donna's saying, "Whoa, more than my pain." What does that mean? And contemplates and recognizes that only 
20% of her body is in pain. The same woman comes in, I think it's the next night, and does pretty much the same thing, and then the message delivered is, you're more than your sickness in the body. And yet again, that world has gone into, well, what does this mean? I'm more than the sickness in my body. And then the third, and then comes up with this series of collections of, of lessons learned by that very concept. And then another night, you're not the fear in that body. You're more than that fear. Float on it. Float above it. What does that mean, to float above my fear? And then Randy, much to my surprise, this woman actually dies and her body is on the way to the morgue as I'm understanding the story. Yes. Do you want to keep it? <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the end of the story going, what? And this is a woman who evidently has uh, uh, written a book called Random Acts of Kindness. What happened in this situation? Finish the story. She was actually pronounced dead for four and a half minutes, and she was being she had leukemia, and she was being wheeled out of a hospital, like a surgical room, and she could see her son, her I think he was about twelve at the time, sitting on a bench outside, and she tried to reach him emotionally, but she couldn't because he was so angry at her for all the ways she hadn't been able to be there for him in his life up to that point that she said his anger was like a wall. It was like a barrier, and she could not reach him with, his, with her love. So that was like one powerful point. If you, in your experience, wherever you're holding anger anywhere or a lack of forgiveness, hmm. see you what you can do to heal wall. those pieces. Yeah, so hmm. you're, you're creating your own wall there. So what happened, the next thing that happened for her is that this angel appeared to her, and the angel asked her a, a series of, con- of uh, questions. And, you know, for example, the angel said to her, have you had enough joy? She said, no, I'm, I'm only 30 years old. And then the, 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 the voice said to her, what are you waiting for? And then the voice asked, what's unfinished for you to give? And she said, what do you mean? I I want a Ferrari. I want my own house. And the question was repeated over and over again. What's unfinished for you to give? And it was in that moment that she understood that her life, uh, the whole meaning of her life just completely switched from what can I get, consciousness of what can I give. Now, it's amazing what happened to Donna, who was given, really, a, a new lease on life. Donna had already written a number of books, and she had heard about this gal who was doing this random acts of kindness, and the woman who had written it down on a napkin, and she was propelling thousands of people across the planet to to give them themselves to this random acts of kindness, and it was Donna who took that idea to the publisher and said, her, her own publisher, and said, you must publish this book. And that's mm-hmm. how the whole Random uh, Acts of Kindness movement started, with this woman named Donna. Wow. And the story... And her liaison was... What's that? Have you been in touch with Donna since? We've been in touch over the years. And mm-hmm. she's certainly somebody that you know I, I want to be in touch with again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think... I think that not only does this story move me because it's such an act of a miracle in terms of, uh, you know, coming back from a near-death or after-death experience and facing death and then moving beyond the fear of that and facing bodily restraints, which 
we often buy into it's like the meme of our society to look at our body as the ultimate inhibitor of what we want to create and then to be able to move beyond that and then to feel someone else's restraints and know that that's a wall that you want to break down or interface with like her son the anger and the story just is so powerfully encompasses the whole essence of so many types of miracles, awarenesses, lessons, insistence, it's, and then moving progressively and proactively forward once life has been renewed inside you. And I think when people are in their misery, whether they're facing death or not, their misery is something they can be resurrected from, and that's the essential bottom line as you insist on being resurrected out of your misery and into something much beyond what would be another example of that to you, Randy? Well, I'd, I'd love to share the story of, of, of that's called Anger Repels Wealth. It just kind of, oh, here I'm, we were just talking about how this, this anger created this wall, uh, yes. for a, a wall where she couldn't give her love. But anger also repels wealth. And, and, and this insight and this story really changed me so much to to want to get through whatever wherever I held anger in my life at any point because wherever we're holding anger we're repelling wealth and, and let me give you the example so most people are familiar with Susie Orman you know Susie R- Orman uh, great goddess of of saving your money retirement whatever managed. making money <laughs> so i had an opportunity to interview Susie and she told me this incredible story of how she was in downtown New York in her limousine one day, and she's sitting in the back of the limo, stuck in traffic, and she sees this beggar on the sidewalk right outside of her car, and he's squatting on the sidewalk, and as each person walks by, he's saying, got a cigarette? Got a cigarette? And people just keep walking by. Nobody's really paying attention to him. And she just feels something for this man that she decides she's going to make his day and she looks in her pocketbook and she has $75 in her wallet she decides she's going to give him $75 I mean he's not even asking for money he's just asking for a cigarette for gosh sakes and so she said she had her hand on the door she was about and on the door handle about to open the door to give him this money when this couple walked by the man and when he said, got a cigarette, and they ignored him and kept walking, this time he spit in their direction. Oh. And she saw that, and she said, I took my hand off the door. I put my money back in my purse. And she oh. said, this man didn't know what good was about to come his way, but his anger repelled it. Oh. Oh. His anger repelled the good that was about to come his way. So we, if we sit in the resentment we have over our situation, we're really just so stewed in our resentment and our anger, we just continue that same situation, digging our hole deeper and deeper. That was a great story. I was quite hit by that one as well. And, you know, you, you mentioned have... the word resentment. Resentment is slightly different than anger. What I've discovered ah. with resentment is that resentment always and consistently will lead to a blow-up between the individuals where resentment is held. If you cannot figure out a way to heal that, to forgive that person, to shift that energy, it always results in a blow-up. 
You say in another part of your book, instead of saying, I've got some bad news, try saying, I've got a miracle in the making. I love that. I've got a miracle in the making. I've got a miracle in the making, God. (laughs) That is is the essential go-to call uh, of a person who's going to start doing miracle thinking, that everything that's a trouble, everything that's a good thing, it's a miracle in the making. Do you remember the story you associated with that one? Well, I, I have a funny phrase from one of my other books, Crappy to Happy, in which I say, I'm not poor. I'm just in the phase before I make my first million. <laughs> Let's reframe. Ah, <laughs> oh, reframe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah the story yeah, – well, I'm sorry, what's that? You reframe. You say that the miracle thinkers decide what they want the outcome of any experience to be regardless of the appearance of circumstances. So instead of yes. saying – focus on the idea that the way, the only way to solve the situation would be this, that, and the other, you just focus on the circumstances. That you, you were talking want. about? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're talking about, there's a story in my book around plumbing. Plumbing. I just yes. bought a new home, <laughs> moved into a new home, and within a, a week or two, all of a sudden, uh, there's a plumbing issue in the kitchen, and the plumber comes out under the home warranty company and says, we've got to take out your whole back wall. And I'm completely freaked out. It's my first home I've ever bought, and now they're talking about I'm going to have a really front-side view of my backyard. And, uh, and so then in choosing to reframe the situation in my mind and say, wait a minute, as long as I go down that path, that's exactly what I'm going to attract, the big gaping hole in my kitchen. Hmm. But I was willing to look at that situation so differently and to hold it in my consciousness so differently as a miracle in the making and wound up connecting with a different plumber who had actually made a, his own particular kind of jerry-rigged tool to fix the situation in, for, for the particular plumbing problem that I had in the kitchen, fixed it in 15 minutes. No charge. <laughs> and, you, and, and you connected to the perfect person to get it done, not just a yes. person, but the perfect person, the perfect, the perfect person. inventor. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about asking questions, because earlier I mentioned, like, ask a question about what does it take for me to, you could still use that kind of question or, or a similar question. Oh. And, and, for example, I might say, who is the divine right person to help resolve this situation easily, quickly, for free. <laughs> Put in your conditions. <laughs> like I say, the universe likes a good, car- a good target. Give the universe a great target. <laughs> you know, one of the things that, that I use a lot in my life, and I would encourage everybody to do things like this, if, of course, if it feels comfortable to you. I ask for what I call divine right alignments. Divine right alignments. So, for example, you know, I pitch manuscripts to publishers, top agents, top publishers. So I'm always saying, you know, just to myself in my own state of prayer, I say, I'd like the divine right publisher for this book. I ask for divine right clients Mm. who I can really serve and really get fantastic results for. Mm. You know, I ask for divine right readers who are the people who I can serve with my words with my mm. thoughts, with my inspiration. Mm. And this, this is something that we all can do. Yes. Ask for your divine right connections, mm. divine right soulmate, divine right home, whatever it is that you're looking for to create in your life. 
That's beautiful. I have a question for you then. You know, when you're talking about uh, your IRA and you're talking about asking, and uh, this is going to be kind of a, a threefold question, and then you have this beautiful story written by Christine, and she says at the very end of it, we live in a soup, in an ocean of all the goodness in the world. And the truth of our being is that everything, the joy, the support, the awareness, the healthy, the clarity, the love is present at all times in every moment. And the reason we don't experience all this goodness flowing to us is because we've been holding ourselves in an untruth. So relax the untruth. And so I see that that's one side of the formula is asking and then relaxing. Um, and also it's asking and doing. So do you have some sense when an individual needs to be in the doing phase of following through of what they've asked for versus the relaxing phase after they've asked? You know, I, I was looking at when I was examining what creates miracles, you know, what it takes, I wanted to examine the beliefs, attitudes, and thoughts people hold plus the actions they, they took. And I do believe action is required on our part. Okay. Sometimes those actions are big, and sometimes those actions don't have to be so big because there's also the phase of at the point where you just kind of turn it over and let it go. Hmm. And most of us fear, many of us fear letting go. So we hold on, we grip, and I say letting go is actually easy. It's the holding on and gripping that's hard. Because when we, when we let go, we're in that place of surrender. It's kind of like okay. Greta in the, in, in the story of Greta saying, Ken, send me somebody. You know, she, she uh. let go. She was open. Or uh. Carrie saying, you know, um, saying, you know, send me somebody who's not my type because my type is messed up. Uh. There, there, was, there was a letting go. There was, there was a release in that. There was a giving in that. Uh-huh. So in the, that's the letting go part of it. And um, I think that the letting go also is in being able to shed the skin of the resistance. And I think we get to the action part in a moment, but there's lots of forms of resistance you speak about. Uh, the lack of faith and belief, the lack of letting go, the holding on to um, untruth, uh, anger, and fear. Getting rid of <laughs> fear. Of comparing fear is ourselves. such a big stop sign for most of us. Give us an example. I really, 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 really want to be on Oprah. What am I afraid of? Being on Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) So guess what? Oprah hasn't called me. Oh, there's a surprise. (laughs) However, I'm not afraid of being on Ellen. (laughs) Oh, that would be wonderful. Notice where the fear is, and again, asking yourself, what is it I'm truly willing to allow? Hmm. And sometimes, as I mentioned, you know, steps can be very gentle. and Other times we step way out of our comfort zone. So, mm. for example, years ago, when I was first writing my first book, Crappy Too Happy, all of a sudden I got this, like, little inspiration, this little, like, you know, twinkle in my mind to go perform a particular act. But I couldn't do it because at that time I was way too shy and there's no way I would ever do something as outrageous as, as this. Until all I had left in the refrigerator was my box of baking soda. And I had been writing my book, Crappy to Happy, and I, I knew that I had a career waiting for me as an author and writer. I, just, I, I knew it. It was that insistence. I had that passion. 
I was living my truth as best as I knew how to live it. And then I was hearing this little voice, and finally, when the only thing left in my refrigerator was a box of baking soda, I got out, and I stood off of the Highway 101 freeway outside of San Francisco with a giant sign wearing a dress, high heels, and a new perm, and makeup. Wow. And I held this giant sign that said, Author Seeks Publisher. Wow. And what happened was, a publisher called me that evening. And I wound up becoming editor-in-chief of his national magazine. Oh, my goodness. So, you know how they say, you know, like I mentioned, be careful what you ask for. I asked for a publisher. I did not say author seeks publisher for her book. But the truth is, the truth is I had to realize that being the editor-in-chief of a national magazine would certainly bring me closer to getting my book publishing deal. Which it did. It built up my writing credentials tremendously. I had already been editor-in-chief of a Bay Area magazine, so it was was the next step in my path. And sometimes when we're taking action steps, there's a sequence that needs to happen. So let's say you actually have your dream. You have your end goal of whatever it is, your version of saving the world in whatever way you intend to do it, for example. And we think we want to get to the end goal right away, but there's actually a sequence that must occur before we can get there. Okay. But often we can only see those steps in retrospect. Oh, one thing leads to the next leads to the next. Okay, so the sequence of steps is not something you can give us a formula for. It's more like listening to the next moment, the next opportunity, the next thing that's in your lap. In other words, the, the people who are very tuned into the synchronicities of what the universe is doing is they're beckoning you down a certain path, path, so to speak. There are synchronicities that are happening, and here is an intention that I want to share with people that you can use to see, like, what, what are some good steps for you. Okay. I have a dear friend named Peggy Black, and Peggy Black came up with this intention in which she says, I intend that I attract blue sky money to myself today. Now, what's blue sky money? Well, it's, it's money that mm. seems to come from out of the blue. You know, mm. I attract blue sky money today. And she mm. says it with enthusiasm. Now, I took it a little mm. step further and I said, I say, I'm open to receive blue sky opportunities that are for my highest and best good. Mm. Opportunities that seem to come from the blue for my highest and best good. Now, that's mm. a good target to give. Mm. I love starting. Yes, and I also like, I love the positioning of starting an intention with the words, I am open to receive. Tell the universe that you're open to receive, but you better believe it. You better believe it. I am open to receive. So you have a quote in your book, Mary Ellen Angel Scribe says, when you ask for miracles to flow through you to others, it will be a joy to get up every morning wondering what miracles the day will bring, the expectation and the looking for it. There's a miracle behind every moment waiting for you to discover. I'll share a very funny, brief story with you. Um, One time I was writing a blog for The Power of Miracle Thinking, and so I wanted to give an example of setting an intention. And so in my blog that day, I wrote, I am open to receive a magical surprise. Hmm. And I was just writing it as an example of an intention. However, what happened later that day kind of blew me away. I got a phone call 
and it was from my niece who had never been out to the west coast where I live saying that she was visiting her biological father and they were driving down the coast and they were going to be in my area for dinner. Could I meet them? Hmm. <laughs> A total magical surprise happened. So there is power in these in these intentions. Now, this, uh. this intention actually relates back to the first question I asked, which is if you had a million dollars and you could have just, you know, what's one thing you'd want? When you answer that question, there's no resistance mm-hmm. if it's a matter of money, if the question had to do with money. Well, you've already got a million dollars. So when I asked, you know, when I put out the intention for a magical surprise, I offered no resistance. Yes. And also opened anything coming in. You know, that openness. Get again that theme of openness. Ready to receive. I hear a dog and they're ready to receive. Yes. <laughs> the garbage man's out the house out front oh, <laughs> picking up go. garbage and my little my little dog is saving me from the garbage man once again. <laughs> well you know you know what's so interesting about your dog coming in at that moment is that I find that animals and babies if they haven't been oppressed by all sorts of cruelty or, or disgruntlement or fear they're very quick to ask for what they need because they have no real sense that it's wrong to do so. They're not yes. a sort of guilt or a sense of greed or a sense of this, that, and the other. No, I understand there's such a thing as narcissism and self-centeredness. And like that one example where the woman was challenged, what is it you want to give, not is it what you want to receive? But also being able to ask for miracles is that emotional experience of one's self in association to the universe, the higher self, angels, God, whatever, to be able to say, no, I am willing to ask, and therefore I'm trembling with that sense of, I guess I deserve, but you can't say I guess. You step into that river and say, I am going on this journey. You don't say, I'd like to go on this journey. It's, mm. it's a very bold, self-affirming uh, statement. What comes to mind? It, yes, and that statement starts with two words, I am. And if you cannot muster up anything else to say positive about yourself, claim your existence, say, I am. I did that years ago. Like One of the things that I had to ask myself one day was, what, what, what is it that I'm constantly Googling in my mind? What are the words that I'm saying attached to an I'm or an I am statement? And at that time in my life when I had this awareness, for the, on this particular question, I realized I, my, the, the main theme I was running is I'm disappointed. Well, guess what I kept attracting under, after that I am? Mm. <laughs> More opportunities mm. to be disappointed. Mm. And so I decided, what is it that I could say that would be true? Because, you know, in, in some regards, you know, people talk about fake it till you make it. I'm not one of those people. I'm mm. so authentically myself and in my truth that I, I can't do that. that. That's just not who I am. And so right. I, I asked myself, what is it that I can say that would be true, but that would still move me out of that energy of constantly attracting disappointment? And for me, that mm. was just the statement, I am. And that brought on a flood of tears. Mm. And as I released those tears, oh, which oh. were the disappointment, then all of a sudden I was able to say new things, and my life was able to shift. It's a powerful mm. practice where you're saying, I will or I am. Mm. And just notice, you know, what, what's the phrase, the negative phrase that, or the negative words? You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. these days are, are using, I'm stressed. I'm so stressed. I'm just so stressed. Yes. 
or even if they're making a joke around, you know, somebody who said something funny and they'll say, oh, you're killing me, or, you know, or I died, oh, my God, I'm dying. It's like, mm. what are you really saying to the universe? Mm. Be really careful with those words. Mm. It's so just, I'm, I'm always, yeah. like, doing, like, a, a word hunt like that. <laughs> I think that it's absolutely brilliant to do a word hunt on yourself to kind of come up with your own resistances. You are so embedded that you don't even really realize that you're, they're right there staring you in the face. The universe is completely respectful of them, and you don't even know you're sitting there shouting it at the universe and, and all that there, there is. Elise Hope Killeron, another contributor in your book, whether it be money, a relationship, or anything else in order to attract something different, you must become someone different, akin to what we're saying. You must become something different. This is about our own evolution in many respects, isn't it? Very much so. It's all a process of learning. But can we have some fun while we're doing it? <laughs> oh, that sounds good. <laughs> no, no, we can't. We can't ask for that. Well, in so, these ending moments here, people are going to want to know how to contact you. So before you end us with one of your, your uh, continuing ideas, and we could go on for a very long time, how do people contact you? How do they emerge? The easiest way is just go to, go to MiracleThinking.com. You just click on a link okay. and, and get to me. I, I love collecting miracle stories, and, and I just love hearing them or you know whatever people want to share about their miracle experiences. Okay. And then in terms of being able to access your book, which I, re- I uh, highly, highly recommend this book, it will be a, a life changer, be one of those pivotal moments in your life where you say, okay, I get it, it's time for me to move forward and embrace what I can create. So how do they get a hold of your book? Easiest place, well, either Amazon or MiracleThinking.com, either way. If you want it autographed, go to MiracleThinking.com. Okay, very good. Okay, so how would you exit this? interview as they they continue it by getting your book. I created something very unique recently in which people get three messages, text messages a day to create miracles, do your own miracle thinking program. And it's a 20-day program. You get three text messages a day. Many of them have short links within the messages. And there's something that I want you to listen to to do to apply. And so you're welcome to check this program out. It's really inexpensive. They're basically giving it away. Uh, and it's at everalive.us, everalive.us. And it's on the bottom of that page. It says Create Miracles. Everalive.us. And, yeah, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's a mobile that. coaching package. It's a mobile coaching package. You just sign up for it. And you can actually hear one of the messages. So mm-hmm. they have it right there. You can hit a play button and hear a message so you understand what you're getting. You know, Randy, every time I've spoken with you, every time I've written an email with you, there's always this exchange of energy where you are just a go-to, get-it-done type individual. And you're so clear at being able to say, nope, not going to do that. Yep, I'm going to do that. And you know and you just keep the direction so clear as you move forward in your own, in your own progression, in your own walk. And I, I, people, please do pick up this book. Randy Pizer is an individual who lives the talk and the walk, walks the talk, and actually learns along with the rest of us both by tripping and by flying. And I think you will just fly as you read each of these excerpts and, and, and begin to hear your own self-talk and your own miracle thinking. 
Well, Randy, what is a story you want to inspire us with as we depart? One of the stories um, has to do with the creation of a dream, and which the woman who was creating her dream said, whenever I spoke to somebody and I got a no, I realized I wasn't speaking to the right person. Mm-hmm. And so I'd call again and find another person. And, you know, I, regardless of the story, I think the point, because we're running, out of, we're running so low on time, I was thinking, how powerful is that? How many of us get tripped up by the no? Mm. And we say, oh, oh, I guess it's not supposed to work this way because, you know, I initially got a no and the energy should just flow and be open. It's like, no, it wasn't the divine right alignment. Mm. Call back, ask to speak to somebody else, and always mm. come from love when you do so. Mm. I think that's the way to really make miracles happen. The only place we're going to in this life, ultimately, is to love. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And folks, you get to continue to enjoy her at MiracleThinking.com, is that correct? Yes, MiracleThinking.com is a perfect way to find me. Listeners, watch your miracle. Contact Randy or myself or both of us and let us know what your miracles are that you create today. It's not about you being worth. It's about you being you. And therefore, why not you be you? You inspire others and you enjoy the dynamic of all you can create. Give and receive. This is Dr. Carol Francis with Randy Pizer saying have a fantastic day. <laughs>